the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater's America's greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Um, Please check out our Facebook page and search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. We hang out all week there. Just put up a video the other day. Um, if you could share that, if you enjoy it, that'd be awesome. All right, I want to talk about this this Evergreen State College controversy. Have you been following this? Uh, I have not, <laughs> just to be honest. We've talked a lot about crazy things going on in college campuses for a while. And honestly, when this one happened, I tried to get it. I tried to understand. And I couldn't. It was so far gone I couldn't comprehend any of it like I really I read statements from the kids at the college and I had no idea what they were talking about and I didn't know who was mad at who and what I, I just I had nothing so I just gave up but I read something the other day and it, it I finally it makes sense now and I think I can explain it clearly and then something happened recently that is completely bonkers I've never heard anything like it. And that's what I really want to share. But but here's let's get everyone up to speed. In the 70s, oh this is a, a a public school in Olympia, Washington, Evergreen State College. So in the 70s, students of color started a day of absence. And this is when the non-white students and faculty would skip school for the day in order to make a point I did whatever and they've been doing this every year since the 70s this year however they decided to kick it up a notch because students of color felt it was unsafe on campus because of Donald Trump's election even though I am certain that not a single professor or student at Evergreen State College voted for Donald Trump And I would put my money that more of them voted for Jill Stein than even Hillary. Either way, they felt threatened. So instead of students of color voluntarily skipping class for a day, the students of color decided it would be better to forcibly remove white people from campus for a day. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So instead of uh, black kids saying, we're not going to show up today. It's a day of absence. This year they said, 
oh no, we're going to show up on campus. We're just going to make sure no white people do too. That was the plan. Enter biology teacher Brett Weinstein, who is a progressive uh, and Jewish. And he wrote a letter to one of the organizers saying, basically, there is a big difference between voluntarily not showing up and forcibly removing people from campus. So for that email, he got mobbed by students calling him horrible things. The most hysterical that you've ever seen any college kids ever. Uh, this is, they're more hysterical than the Yale Halloween costume stuff. This is more hysterical than Milo going on campus. This is the most hysterical you've ever seen kids. Uh, it's, it's horrifying. It's, it's hard to watch. So just Google Brett Weinstein and mob, and you'll see a bunch of videos about him. I, I skimmed through one of them and, and just right wherever I stopped in the middle, someone in the mob yelled, do you believe that students of color are targeted in the sciences? He's a biology teacher. And he says, what do you mean by targeted? And the person goes, targeted by racism in the classroom. Institutional oppression. So here's where we are. Why do you bring this up? This is entirely the adult's fault. This is a state school. Let me just rattle off a few minor facts about Evergreen State College, and then we'll get to the humdinger of them all. Uh, First, the woman at the center of this controversy, uh, or I should say the, the person who Brett Weinstein sent the email to, her title is Director of First People's Multicultural Advising Services. Director of First People's Multicultural Advising Services. How is that a job? This school has a 98% acceptance rate. There are no grades, only narrative evaluations given by professors. Uh, These are actual science classes held at this state school. Uh, In the biology department, reproduction, gender, race, and power. Dancing molecules, dancing bodies. It's biology class. Uh, Physics, defending Mother Earth, science, energy, and native peoples. This is the math department, dimensions of inequality and options for change. So this is not a real school. I don't. I really don't know how they have an accreditation. How can this? How can this be a real place? At least the craziness at Yale and Berkeley. Like those are actual universities, and I don't think the craziness there is everyone at these schools, Yale and Berkeley. This place, Evergreen State, this is just full on loony bin. There's no even pretense of this being a real actual school. So the other day, students, if you want to call on that, crashed a meeting of administrators and held them hostage. And they told them that they could only leave once they agreed to their demands. Okay, this is how pathetic these adults are. The professor, excuse me, the president of the school had to, in the middle of being held hostage, had to ask the students to go to the bathroom if he could go to the bathroom. He had to ask the student. He's the president of the school. He had to ask the students if he could go to the bathroom. He was escorted 
by members of the mob and then returned back to the room where he was held hostage again. He had to ask to go to the bathroom. At one point, the mob told him to stop committing microaggressions because he was talking too much with his hands. He was using his hands too much when he was talking, and they said that was a microaggression. So for the rest of the time, he talked with his hands behind his back. Just, why not just castrate yourself right there, man? What are you doing? But here's the best part. This is the, this is the full-on bonkers, is that that's not bad enough. The next day, he gave a speech at some student event addressing each of the demands. I promise you what I'm going to read you right now is not a joke. I read this and I thought, no, there's no way. There's no way this is true. And I have audio of him actually saying it too, but I want to read it to you. Um, This is not a joke. This is the adult president of a state university. He gets up to the microphone and he says, I'm George Bridges. I use he, him pronouns. That's not even the part I'm like that. We're past that now, right? That's how in colleges, that's how you're supposed to introduce yourself. You're supposed to identify your name and then how you identify yourself, how you would like to be referred to as, by the way, this weekend or the other day, yesterday, Canada passed C-16, which is a bill that outlaws not using someone's preferred gender pronoun. So now it's against the law to call a man he if he prefers to go by she. It's against the law now in Canada. Okay? So anyway, I'm George Bridges. I use he, him pronouns. I begin our time together today by acknowledging the indigenous people of the Medicine Creek Treaty whose land was stolen and on which this college stands. I would like to acknowledge the Squaxin people who are the traditional custodians of this land and pay respect to elders past and present of the Squaxin Island tribe. I extend that respect to other native people present. In response to Native Student Alliance requests, we commit to opening every event with this acknowledgement. Oh. Wow. These adults... are way more pathetic than the children who attend this school. Holding his arms behind his back, stating his he, him, gender, pronoun, preference, acknowledging that white people stole the land that this university is now, like asking permission to go to the bathroom. This is Lord of the Flies insanity. Everyone involved here should be ashamed of themselves. Everyone should be ashamed of themselves. And it has to stop before we are all subjected to this. And before every time you want to say anything, you have to acknowledge some aggrievance by some victim group. Could you imagine if every time, like every TV show, every movie, every time you speak, every time there's a presentation, anytime ever, you have to give some acknowledgement as ordered by some group that got together and is holding you hot like what we just have to rattle off our people's past sins before we're allowed to say anything 
absolute insanity and coming to a town near you. one 888 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Slider Crusade. Is one last thing about Evergreen State. Um, this is the the president. We have heard. By the way, the president makes three hundred thousand dollars a year. I was talking to my local producer about it. He's like, "Well, yeah. What does he care? He makes three hundred grand a year. Plus, I'm sure a pension and all the rest. It's a state school, right? Three hundred grand a year. I'll say whatever you want. Who else do you want me to apologize to, as on behalf of all white people, before I get up and speak for three hundred grand? Anyway, he goes on. He says, we've heard from students very clearly that they experience racism on campus that interferes with their education. No way. No. If, if I was president of the school and some kids came up to me and said they experienced racism, I'd say, go, go back to work. Get, get, go read a book. How can there be racism at this ridiculous place? Name one actual racist thing that you've ever experienced at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. There's no way there's racism there. Like, this is what's so frustrating. I wish these kids just take a trip to India or places in Africa where they have still actual caste systems and then come back and tell me there's racism at Evergreen State College. There's a deeper issue here. The deeper issue is why are people so dramatic? I read an article in Entertainment Weekly the other day, I guess there was some TV conference in Austin, Texas the other day, and there was a panel called Trumped Up TV. And the writers there are just, oh, I can't, I can't go on. I don't, I don't know how to proceed. This is a writer of Lost. How can I possibly focus? Uh, Royal Pains producer says there's no cell phones allowed in the writer's room. But the moment there's a break, the next hour, all we're talking about is how horrendous and depressing it is. And then we're back to work trying to be funny. Vampire Diaries writer, the election brought about absolute sorrow, horror, depression. I knew this was catastrophic. It felt like the whole country was slapped across the face by a two by four. Jeez, people. So I just think everyone is over the top narcissistic. And I think this is the root of the cupcakes at Evergreen College. And really anyone who complains about racism at Evergreen College has completely lost perspective. Take a kid at Evergreen who complains that I'm trying to think of, a, of an absurd. Well, all right. So we don't have to make something up. Seattle, a couple of years ago, the city, 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 the city, <coughs> excuse me, the city of Seattle, uh, a couple of years ago, banned city employees from using the word 
brown bag as in like a brown bag lunch and they said that was racist the term brown bag lunch i don't i don't i have no idea why and instead they should people city employees should use the term lunch and learn which i don't even i couldn't even use that in a sentence i don't even know what that means or a sack lunch which i guess makes more sense but still it's stupid okay so if i say if I'm on Evergreen State College and they have that same rule and I say, oh, I'm so glad I brought a brown bag lunch here. It's just it's delicious or whatever. And some social justice warrior says that that's racist and they can't go to class and they can't focus now because they're so oppressed because I said brown bag lunch. I will personally, for the sake, for their sake and for the sake of humanity, I will pay for a ticket for them to go to India where there are 160 million people in the untouchable class who literally can't be touched. You're, you're, compl- you're complaining because you're microaggressed upon. These people can't be looked at. They can't drink at the same wells that other people drink from. So many of them, they, they can only do things at night because they literally can't be looked at. Children growing up in actual garbage dumps. Not, wow, this place looks like a dump. No, this is the dump. And here are the kids growing up in the dump. Just Google it. Go on YouTube and look up life of an, as an untouchable. The first video that pops up, there's a ton of them, but the first video that pops up is the video of a woman who cleans up human feces from the street all day, every day. That's her life. And there's no other option for her or for her children forever. There's no chance. Like That's the caste system. There's no way that her kids will ever do anything other than clean up human feces from the street all day, every day for the rest of their lives. Okay, so go over there, you pathetic little kids. Go over there for a day and then come back and tell me how difficult your life is. Oh, actually, better yet, go there and tell her. Go tell that untouchable person. Go tell the person who's cleaning up human feces how difficult your life is. Go, 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 I dare you. Go and, uh, and cry to them about how some meanie back home was using his hands when he talked and how meanie back home said brown bag lunch. And tell, go tell them about all the racism you, you experience in Olympia, Washington every day. There's no way you couldn't do it. It's impossible. No one could do that. No one's even that narcissistic. I think people are narcissistic enough to not think about actual racism and not put themselves in, like not have perspective of the world. And to think, oh, I'm the only people person oppressed ever. But I don't think people are not, anyone's narcissistic enough to look someone in the eye who's facing actual oppression and then complain to them. I don't think that can actually happen. Uh, like example, a silly example, but like if, if you, someone can have a paper cut and they'll be like, oh, I can't go to work, I have a paper cut. But then you go and you look at someone who is paralyzed, right? And go c- complain to them about your paper cut, right? I don't think anyone can actually do that. They can be willfully ignorant of the person who's paralyzed. But once they're face-to-face with that person, there's no way they can still complain about their paper cut. There's, and and the, the fact that these kids at this college are the most privileged people to ever walk the face of the planet ever. And that lack of perspective, that lack of appreciation of social justice warriors, that's what bothers me the most. And you take this, this narcissism and you compare it to what it really takes to be successful in life. This is, this is again, what's so concerning about this is you can't be successful and narcissistic. 
At least not for long. At the very least, you can't be happy and be narcissistic. And you compare narcissism with... I'd, I'd like to compare him to Ben Franklin's 13 virtues. Just Google that. We don't have time to go over them all. But Ben Franklin wrote down 13 virtues that he wanted to live every day. Temperance, silence, frugality, hard work, sincerity, cleanliness, tranquility, humility. Imitate Jesus. That's what he said. And, and really, it's just service to others, which is the opposite of narcissism. So just look where our society is going. It's all narcissism. All me, 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 me. All I'm a victim every day, all the time. And, and instead, I beg of you, please raise your kids to be people who serve others. Because it's the only antidote to the narcissism of our culture today. It's the only antidote is to serve other people. Otherwise, your kids will only look inward and complain outward. And I can't take it anymore. one 900 Slater Radio on Twitter. Uh, I want to come back with some parenting advice from, uh, not from me. I don't know what I'm doing. I only got an eight month old. But um, from someone else that's maybe not, you wouldn't suspect. We'll do that next. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Slider Crusaders. This fits twofold. First, I want to share a story here about narcissism, just because we mentioned it in the last segment. And also, this is Father's Day weekend. Uh, so we got a little fathering advice. Not from me, because like I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I got an A-month-old. I'm just figuring it out here. But um, on the narcissism point, I'll start here. So I read a, uh, an article about Jerry Seinfeld in a British fashion blog of all places. Um, but I didn't know that he says he quit Seinfeld, or at least one reason why he quit Seinfeld was to focus on his family. I didn't realize that. So uh, I want to read a few insights from Jerry Seinfeld here. There's a lot of good stuff, but I want to start on the narcissism point. The question is, what kind of father would your children say you are? Uh, And Seinfeld responded, I never lose it around them. The one time I really, really got upset was when my daughter was watching the Kardashians on her phone in her bed. And I could not take that scene for someone who for their whole life, television was the Olympics of being a comedian. It was only for the very best. You had to have everything. You had to go through all the different hierarchies of your career to get to television. I'm offended by reality television on so many levels. And that show, of course, is the premier example of reality television. These people are not doing anything interesting. I lost my temper with that one. (laughs) Rightfully so. These are all of our kids are bathing in narcissism. They just soak in it all day long in our culture. It's everywhere. Social media is entirely built on, entirely built on it. That's like, that's, that's why it works. That's the, that's the essence of it. It, it, it feeds on narcissism. It, the, the narcissism is the fuel of social media and it's everywhere. It just, it's, it's exponential. <coughs> and part of the narcissistic culture is oh, everything's a disaster. Everything's terrible. Everything's the worst. You you just can't believe what I have to deal with all of it. Jeez. 
<laughs> I just, I can't, I can't wait to raise Jack, my son, to have a sober, uh, an accurate understand, excuse me, understanding of what's important. Right. And I just, you got to serve others. That's it. Ronald McDonald house is one of my favorite. Uh, there's a bunch of charities I love, but I love Ronald McDonald house. Um, and I look forward to going down there with my son. So Ronald McDonald house, it's a charity. They're next to children's hospitals and it's a place for parents to stay while their kids are in the hospital. And I love breakfast. I love breakfast. My favorite thing. I love it. So every once in a while, and, and I will do it more frequently when Jack gets a little older, um, we're going to go down and serve breakfast. And we do that because if there's no volunteers and they just, it's a cold breakfast you know, they got cereal and stuff. But if you get a couple volunteers there and it doesn't take many, if you get a couple volunteers though. Now you can have a hot breakfast. Now you got eggs and pancakes and French toast and bacon. Oh, it's good stuff. And to be able to give that to people. I mean, listen, you're, you'll snap out of your narcissism real fast when you help feed parents whose kids are dying in the hospital or getting cancer treatments or whatever. Jeez. Like it's, it's so important that kids understand that. All right, let's do a little, uh, little parenting advice from a one Jerry Seinfeld things that I, that I gleaned from, from this interview here. So, uh, four pieces, first piece of advice, ask different questions to your kids. He says, I'm very good at drawing them out. You know, I think some fathers struggle with my kid doesn't want to talk to me or I can't get them to engage with me in conversations, especially as they get in their teen years. I've always able, I'm always able to get that conversation going. If you start asking them what's going on, what did you do today? Nothing. Well, then they're not going to give you anything from that. You need to get in there and I'm good at that. You know, Hey, did you laugh today? What did you laugh at today? I'll ask them a better question than what happened at school today. I like that because that's nothing's more annoying than when you, Oh, what'd you do to nothing? What'd you learn? Nothing. That's first of all, that annoys me and kids should have a better answer than that always. But their answers also kind of reflect the quality of the question, right? The quality of the answer is a good reflection of the quality of the question. What'd you do today? Right? So it's come up, maybe come up with something a little more significant. Did you laugh today? Did you help someone today? Did you see something interesting today or whatever, you know? So ask different questions to your kids, spice it up a bit. I like that advice. I'm going to do that. Second piece of advice. Don't wait for quality time. Enjoy all the time. Seinfeld said, I'm a, I'm a believer in the ordinary and the mundane. These guys that talk about quality time, I always find that a little sad when they say, oh, we have quality time. I don't want quality time. I want the garbage time. That's what I like. You just see them in their room reading a comic book and you get to kind of watch that for a minute. Or having a bowl of Cheerios at 11 o'clock at night when they're not even supposed to be up. The garbage. That's what I love. And that's so true. I think so many of my memories, at least my dad, my dad passed away three, four years ago. Um, so many of my memories are of the garbage time. Much more so than the, the, what, what others would call the quality time. Advice number three, over-appreciate everything. So the question was about Jerry Seinfeld's dad. He was about 34 or so when, when his dad passed away. So the question was about memories of him. Uh, so Jerry said he was a great appreciator of life, which I am as well. I absorbed that from him. 
And that's very annoying to my kids. Yes, Dad, I know. This is the best bagel. I know, Dad, you love breakfast more than anything. I know, we get it. You know, I'm always overappreciating. But I don't think you can really ever overappreciate. I'm a big proponent of reveling in the mundane and the ordinary. This is my favorite area to revel in. So it's just appreciating everything. Just having your kids, just telling your kids, oh, I love it. This is great. This is awesome. Isn't it? Just loving the little things all the time. <laughs> it's very annoying to them, but they'll learn to love it. And finally, the fourth piece of advice is uh, give your kids ways to show their love to you. The question is, what's the most surprising thing you've learned about fatherhood? And Seinfeld said, how completely worldview changing some of these small moments can be. Like my son is learning to play the Superman theme song on the piano as a present for my birthday. Catching him doing that, that completely changes your life. He knows I love Superman. So he decided he's going to do that as a present. I think sometimes you got to give kids those chances. You got to give them those opportunities because that's how they learn to show love to other people when they get older too, right? Which to go back to narcissism land that we're living in, uh, if you don't teach them how to show love to other people, then they won't, but they're sure as heck going to find a way to show love to themselves. So there's, there's Seinfeld advice from this interview. I saw ask different questions to your kids. Enjoy all the time, the junk time over appreciate everything. And give your kids ways to show, have them show love for you. Pretty good stuff from Jerry Seinfeld. one 888 Mike Slater Show. Happy Father's Day tomorrow. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. the next generation of talk radio this is mike slater thought about sharing this story and then i thought against it but now that we got a couple more minutes i nah, what the heck might as well share this so i mentioned in the last segment that i would like to raise my son to have a more uh appropriate analysis the ability to understand what's really important and what's not uh so i'll give you an example of where i failed on this and just have proper perspective um so we bought a house two years ago it's a new house and, you know, it's built by, it's like in a development, right? So you got to, you pick your floor plans, like three floor plans, and then you get to customize different things here and there. And one of the things we got to customize is our paint color. Uh, now, we thought, my wife and I, we thought that we chose, uh, oh, by the way, this is a super embarrassing story. So just, acknowledge, I'm acknowledging that I, I'm with you. Uh, we chose agreeable gray, for our paint color. Um, but it turns out that we actually chose, we mistakenly chose accessible beige. Mm. A disaster. <sighs> Total, it's too late. It was too late before when we found it out. I mean, it would have been another like 10 grand to get it fixed, to go back to the agreeable gray that we wanted the whole time. So instead we're stuck with accessible beige. 
in our brand new home and we were just distraught. What are we going to do? So I go to the gym with my friend and uh, I'm visibly rattled. I didn't bring it up. He, he could just, he could tell something was up. And uh, he goes, Slater, what's wrong? And I just I explained to him, you know, we wanted agreeable gray. We got accessible beige. What are we going to do? And I'll never forget it. And I can't simulate it properly and how perfectly this happened. But as I was sharing the story, he stared right through me and I'm done. And he, he just, he hits my arm. He just like slaps my arm and goes, you're fine. Let's go. And just, <laughs> we just went back to working out. It, that, that, it was a, that's exactly what a true friend does. That's what a true friend does. Snaps you out of it. You're fine. Let's go. As opposed to wallowing with you in your misery. Oh, you're right. Your life is so tough. No, Slater, shut up. Come on. Not a big deal. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, right. Whew. Sorry. Kind of got lost there for a minute. So that's my embarrassing story for the day, but I want Jack to be able to have that. And I wanted more friends like this guy to, to snap me out of things too. Uh, actually, this ties in pretty good. So uh, speaking of walls, University of Michigan. There's a headline. University of Michigan students say minorities are oppressed by wood paneling. Oh, this has got to be good. So my first thought was that this wood paneling depicts something. So, so in my college, they had a lot of wood carvings, right? They'll have wood paneling and at the top. They'll have some carvings out of it, right? So I'm sure there was a scene in one of these carvings of a slave picking cotton or something like that. So, so that scene is oppressive. The wood paneling of it. Um, and also at my school, like last year, some janitor smashed a stained glass window because I think it had slaves picking cotton, right? And he was celebrated as some great hero for smashing this. Uh, stained glass window. So, uh, so that, that was my first thought. So, so I read on. I'm like, okay, well, what is this wood paneling portraying that is so oppressive? Nothing. Not nothing at all. It's 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 just smooth wood paneling the whole time. So the 100 year old Michigan Union Building. It's like the Student Union. Uh, this is the former president of building a better Michigan, a organization that voices student concerns about university development stated that at a student government meeting, uh, quote, minority students felt marginalized by quiet, imposing masculine paneling. Quiet. They, they felt marginalized minorities. This is unbelievable. I'd love to talk to one of these people. Minority students felt marginalized by quiet, imposing, masculine paneling. Again, uh, we could go to India where people have no houses. Are we, like that's, that I understand. If you, if you don't have anywhere to live, uh, that's marginalizing. Uh, these, these university students feel that the, the wood paneling is marginalizing to them. <clears throat> It's too masculine. 
I mean, we've reached full insane mode when you're triggered by wood, right? Wood paneling. Can you find anything else more banal to be triggered by? Are you triggered by water? Are you are you triggered by a chair? Are tables triggering because slave owners owned tables? I don't like shoes or shoes trouble triggering to you. Like, like what could, what else could you, what just normal everyday thing is oppressing you now? Cause if we're going to, if we're bridging the gap now, now we're at wood paneling. What, what else could possibly be couches? Oh, couches are so oppressive. Like this, I mean, where, where are you going to stop now? If you're, if you're already here, if you're at wood paneling, it'll never stop. Amazing. All right. I want to come back. Uh, the other day, I got an email. I got a bunch of emails along these lines, but I want to share one particular email uh, from someone whose nephew is graduating high school and going off into college. And this person has a couple concerns that I want to share. Uh, and they're asking, they're asking for advice on books that they could give this nephew uh, as they head off into college. So I thought about it, and I have two books that I would like to suggest that I think are excellent graduation gifts, whether for a high schooler going into college or a college student going into the real world. Excellent, excellent gifts and really good Father's Day books too. So if you uh, don't have a Father's Day present yet and you can run to Barnes and Noble real quick, uh, either of these two books can double as a graduation present or a Father's Day present. I don't want to share both of them now. Um, One of them just came out. One of them is pretty old. But short and life changing. We'll share those coming up next. 1 888 Slater Radio on Twitter and search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.